Hello and welcome to Just Jets episode number 177. What is going on? I am Matt O'Leary. Excited to hang out with you for another episode of the Just Jets podcast, where today we will be getting into Asante Samuel, Darrell Rivas, and Sauce Gardner beefing. I did a little bit of it yesterday, but uh, I didn't realize that this was going to be an all-day thing. I'm recording on Tuesday evening, as I always do. Uh, just in time so that I could record, have it edited and scheduled all out and ready to go before I get on Talking Jets at 8 o'clock on Tuesday night. And then we do that. So if you're watching after the fact, you could go over and check out the Talking Jets channel and watch last night's program. Uh, but I, I do that so that I could kind of, ha- you know, I structure my day, boom, 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 have a lot of things. So like I was, I wanted to record like an hour ago, so I'm pushing it a little bit, but the k- tweets just kept firing off one after the next, after the next. So we'll get into that, break that down. We'll talk about an interesting uh, opinion from Zach Rosenblatt of The Athletic on the Jets right tackle Uh, I don't know if debate's the right word, but uh, battle for who's going to win the starting job. We got audio files and your voicemails. But before we start the show, you guys know we got to shout out our sponsors over at Manscaped. Summer is here, so make sure to drop a cannonball. This summer, it's not about the size of those cannonballs. It's about making a big splash with our friends over at Manscaped. Prep for the barbecue season by making sure your grill master has the hottest dogs the summer has ever seen. When you're at the cookout, let the meat speak. Let the meat, excuse me, speak for itself with Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0. It's time to get ready and not as much on the sweaty side. So go to manscaped.com. Use my code Jets20. That is J-E-T-S-2-0 for 20% off and free shipping over at Manscaped. Make sure to pick yourself up something nice. All right, so if you missed it yesterday, it was a pretty boring, regular old Tuesday afternoon on the Bird app over for the uh, New York Jets Twitter. And, you know, we got training camp coming up in a little bit. Next week's episode more than likely will be a training camp preview, but... Uh, was kind of just, you know, going through, doing my regular thing. Had a video go out earlier in the morning. Uh, and then I was back, you know, looking for something for the for the afternoon to get in on and doing some prep for the show today. And Asante Samuel just goes off on Sauce Gardner and then Darrell Revis for seemingly no reason, like legitimately no good reason. So uh, there was a tweet from Dove. Go figure. He tweets out. It was a list Voted on by players, scouts, executives, writers, I believe as well. Um, kind of ranking where the corners are. And Sauce Gardner was ranked as the number two corner in the NFL, which I'm fine with. I think if you have him anywhere in your top three to five, at the five at the absolute lowest, I think uh, you can make the case that he's absolutely top three. Patrick Sertan was in front of him, which is which is fine. I I... I may put him ahead, but they're they're close. To me, those two guys are are the two best young bucks coming up right, in, right now. Uh, but for whatever reason, Asante Samuel blames the New York media for hyping up Sauce Gardner, saying that that's why he's thought of so highly. Uh, and then he said that Tariq Woolen had the better of the two rookie seasons, and he was the one who deserved the Defensive Rookie of the Year award, which is just... Uh, so silly to me. I, I don't don't understand that one at all. And then when he was presented with uh, the facts, which by the way, if you're unsure of what some of those some of those facts uh, could be, 
Uh, there's a there's a few good ones, uh, courtesy of our friends over at Jet X Factor. Uh, really, okay, it breaks down who was better between Sauce and Tariq. And Sauce is better at yards allowed, quarterback rating, touchdowns allowed, passes defended, forced incompletions, missed tackle rate against run and pass, uh, run stop percentage, penalties, snaps per penalty, this and that. The only area where Tariq Woolen really makes that big jump is interceptions. Those those are the two categories he leads. Interceptions uh, and interceptions per target. Uh, and there's like 15 other categories where Sauce Gardner is the the leader in uh, or, or headed above uh, Tariq Woolen in that category. So, and, and he responded to that information with coverage, productivity. I'm sorry. I, I wrote in my notes coverage over productivity, which isn't true. He wrote productivity over coverage, which I don't understand. Is he saying that if you a blanket cover someone, that's not as good as... Uh, being a guy who gets toasted but then also comes up with a big play every once in a while, I I, I don't quite understand that. To any sport, uh, any sort of criticism coming his way, he he pretty much just you know spat that he had 51 career interceptions. And imagine if he had the New York media behind him with those 51 interceptions, how good would that be uh, for him in order to have uh, that kind of backing behind it? And you know that's. He was a he was a pretty good corner. He came away with a ton of picks. He also got burned. He was a streaky player. He was a boomer bust kind of guy. Uh, and in the Super Bowl on the on the cusp of a seventeen, well, not seventeen and zero. They would have been at that point. I'm sorry. They were sixteen and zero in the regular season, and then would have been what nineteen and zero on the on the cusp of an undefeated season. Dropped what would have been a game ceiling interception. Instead, the Giants and Eli Manning march right down the field, score a touchdown, win the game. But Sauce Gardner would get in on the mix, uh, and he says the the rankings are by players, executives, scouts, and coaches. Why are you bringing up the media? Which is, I think, is a fair question. Uh, and then Asante Samuel challenges him to intercept more passes, which Sauce Gardner had to, and that is an area where Sauce could improve. That is. That's not unfair to to say that, hey, maybe this year, you know, Sauce Gardner, his goal is to uh, come away with the ball a little bit more. And if I'm not mistaken, there was a video of uh, Tony Oden, the uh, cornerback coach or the secondary coach on the New York Jets, um, kind of saying the same thing and how they're going to try to unlock that part of his game. Uh, and Sauce responds by saying, I'm challenging myself to do just that. I'm. I don't need you to so stop subtweeting and just reach out to me. He and then would go on and ask him uh, who his number one corner is then with the productivity over coverage to which he answers Patrick Sertan. Now, I have no issue with anyone who wants to say that they think Sertain's the best uh, corner in the league. I think you can make a case for it. But the interesting thing that Sauce points out is and he doesn't have a ton of interceptions either and that he's. Similar to Sauce in the sense that they are not targeted very often and are more, you know, guys with the blanket coverage. I believe it was seven PBU and two interceptions for uh, Patrick Sertan. Like, he really was not getting targeted uh, a lot. That's not me dismissing Patrick Sertan as a, as a corner. I think he's phenomenal. He, he makes my top three list for sure. Uh, he's fantastic, and I think it's you could make a really good case that he is the number one corner in the NFL, but you can't say, well, Sauce isn't because he doesn't have that productivity, meaning the interceptions, and then choose a guy who also has the same 
number of interceptions and less passes defended than Sauce Gardner. I don't know. It was just the reasoning behind it is just so strange. Uh, and then he threw Revis under the bus, too, uh, where he was like, uh, Revis was hyped up by the media and the New York media really made him out to be. And look, I know Revis is kind of public enemy number one for a little bit with the Joe Klecko drama a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but Darrell Revis chimes in and tells uh, a, a story about how the Jets receivers called uh, Asante Samuel the double move king because that's how he would continue to get beat. Rex Ryan uh, showed clips of him getting beat or a film of him getting beat in their uh, film study when they played. I guess it was when he was with the Falcons in t- 2009, right? Or, yeah, and by 2009, I'm pretty sure he was with Atlanta at that point, and that's when they played them in that season. They actually lost that game, weird game, but uh, anyway, the Jets would bounce back the next two weeks win two games and clinch a playoff spot, which is awesome. But it's just so weird for him to continue to go after Sauce Gardner and to go after the Jets. I get he feels scorned by them. I, I don't know if is he wanted some sort of contract by them. It was hard to follow along with it. It was his tweets were deranged. Like let's just be call it what it is. He was just speaking out of his ass on, on Twitter for, for hours, like just kept firing tweets, trying to dig himself out of this hole. And he is just going further and further down, making it so much worse for himself. So I don't know why he thought it was a good idea to, to do that. Um, again, I don't necessarily understand the logic behind it, but kind of hilarious. Nonetheless, that he kept trying to firing off those tweets, man. Asante Samuel, keep them, keep them coming, keep firing them. Um, and for it just would not let up. So as the backstory there, sauce good on him for, for clapping back. I thought he hit the uh, most of the high road. Uh, maybe the full high road would have been just not answering him at all and not giving him the time of day. But let's be honest. If someone was, you know, continuing to go over, you know, and, and talk down on me and, uh, be disrespectful my way, I probably would say something too. Um, and he was genuinely asking too. It wasn't like he was necessarily being rude about it. So, I thought he handled it fine. I'm good with that. The next thing in the open that I wanted to get to here is Billy Turner over Makai Becton. An interesting prediction from uh, uh, The Athletic. Uh, Zach Rosenblatt, who covers the New York Jets for The Athletic, says uh, he predicts Turner will start the season at right tackle and then eventually they will make the switch to either Makai Becton or Max Mitchell. Talent-wise, Becton might be the most intriguing player on the Jets roster. He says, if he's healthy and in shape and can stay healthy and in shape, the best version of the Jets' offensive line includes him. But until that happens, it's a real possibility that he starts the season as a backup. So it's it's a hot take. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it's not a, a bold prediction. I don't think it's a... Um, like an abysmal bold prediction. I think you could absolutely um, make a case that this happens. I think Becton ends up starting at right tackle, but Billy Turner is someone that Rogers obviously really likes and respects. He's talked highly of him uh, during their time together in green Bay. Turner played right tackle and right guard. Iron Rodgers had a really good season with Turner playing right tackle. One of his MVP seasons was with Turner at playing at right tackle. So uh, it's someone that he feels comfortable with and he knows kind of what he is, where you don't necessarily know what Becton or Mitchell are. A lot of it's projection, right, and development. And Nathaniel Hackett obviously likes Billy Turner because not only did they spend time together in Green Bay, but last year when he went to Denver – 
he brought Billy Turner with him to to Denver, and he started some games for the Denver Broncos last year. So uh, it wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world if he ended up winning the right tackle job. I wouldn't put it at a like a high percent. I wouldn't put him as the favorite to win the job. I think Becton is the the favorite to start at right tackle, but you know, there's surprises all the time, whether it's cuts or decisions in, in training camp. And if you're trying to make a prediction, like this is one that I think would be a pretty good value bet. If you want to do it in, in those terms of trying to find something, maybe a little bit outside the box that could happen uh, in, in training camp for the New York jets and just, you know, going into the continuing on with this off season, um, you know, I think that there's a real chance that maybe it's not Mackay Becton, and I, I, I don't, I don't know. I'm very curious to see. That is one of, to me, the most intriguing storylines from this from this camp is how is the offensive line going to shake out? And we've seen a, a ton of different predictions, and I think most people predict that it's going to be Brown, Lincoln, Tomlinson, Tipman then AVT at right guard, and then at right tackle will be Makai Becton, but they could shake it up. Maybe they don't want to start Tipman right away, and they want to go with the veteran. Maybe they want to go with Max Mitchell instead at right tackle. The staff liked him a lot last year. Uh, they liked what they saw, and he was a surprise standout to, to Rich Samini at, at OTAs. Maybe he was a surprise standout to the New York Jets staff and the new offensive staff as well. Uh, Keith Carter, offensive line coach, and Todd Downing, and those guys are going to have to come in and uh, you know make some decisions along with Nathaniel Hackett on on how this line shakes out. There's a lot of ways that they could do it. There's a lot of ways that they could do it, but um, I think Becton, if healthy, should get the the nod. I th- I'm rooting for him. I think it would be great if he is able to come in uh, and be dominant, be that guy that we were all kind of hoping for him to uh to be when the net when the Jets drafted him way back, not way back, but in in 2020, he looked solid as a rookie, looked like he had the franchise left tackle potential and then's played one game in the last 2 years. Unfortunately, that's you have to lower expectations that when that's the case and maybe he does start as a backup and they kind of ease him back in. That would be a little bit I'd be a little bit bummed out about it, but Anyway, speaking of Makai Becton, I think that's a good way to get into our audio files of this segment or of this program today, episode 177 of Just Jets, where Eric Allen asked Makai Becton what his goals were for the 2023 season. I liked his answer. It's a little bit longer. It's There's an, another part of it involved. Only a portion of it is the actual goals, but I'll play the full clip. I think it's worthwhile to share. Talk about the new offensive coaching staff led by Nathaniel Hackett, your new coordinator, and then Keith Carter as well, your line coach. I love them. I love the way they coach. I love the intensity that they hold, that they bring every day. Uh, it's they ready to go. They're ready to win, so I'm, I'm excited about it. What kind of goals have you set for yourself during the summer? Uh, just play a full season. That's all I got. And then I, I feel like everything else will come to us with us. Everything else will come with me playing a full season, so that's my main focus. Think about the expectations for this team coming up here. Uh, last year, you guys were right in a playoff hunt all the way to the end. Now you're bringing in a guy like Rodgers. Everybody's a year older. You made some additions as well. Now people are saying, hey, the Jets, they're a contender. Uh, we, we're not trying to look too far ahead. We're just trying to stay where our feet are and just keep getting better. There we go. 
I like it. A good answer is from a guy back then. I thought that was mature. And look, he hasn't been the most mature this offseason. I really didn't like him going in Newsday and, and doing that tell-all story. Um, I've said and maintained that I don't think he is fully at fault for uh, some of their some of the issues that they they had, both Makai and, and the staff and, and everything. I think both sides are probably uh, have some blame to go around here in, in this one. But uh, Makai Becton's goal, play a full season. That changes a lot for the New York Jets in, in this offense. They could be a really solid offensive line if he comes in and plays anywhere close to what he looked like as a rookie um, on that right side of the offensive line next to AVT. As a pass protector, I thought there were moments where he looked pretty good as a rookie, took care of business against the the Chargers and the Niners. Those games really jump out to you as some pretty impressive ones. Um, but in the run game, man, watching him go to work with AVT, the two of those guys are just so dominant in the run game. And Lake and Tomlinson wasn't last year. He was, frankly, abysmal. That was a really, really bad season from him. But if they get him going even... 75% the guy he was in San Fran, man, like, because he, he was pretty much replacement level to below average uh, or, or, you know, the backup level guard last year for the Jets, unfortunately. But if they get him to average to slightly above average starter, they have Makai Becton and AVT doing work in the run game. And, you know, Brown can hold his own. Brown's a better pass protector than he is a run blocker, in my opinion. But Tippmann, with his athleticism and getting to the next level, the holes that they could open up, not only for Brees Hall, but eh, Michael Carter, Izzy Abanaconda, uh, uh, Bam Knight, maybe a Dalvin Cook or another veteran in there, that would be just flat-out unbelievable. I can't wait to see something like see something like that come to fruition there. So uh, I thought that was uh, a, a good quote from Makai Becton. I really enjoyed that answer from him. I thought that was that was good. Next up, so we're going to stay on the uh, offensive line theme. It's been very offensive line heavy outside of the drama at the beginning of the show between Sauce Gardner and Asante Samuel and Darrell Rivas. But here's Cameron Wolf, who is on Good Morning Football, talking about the New York Jets offensive line and why he's worried about it. I like their receiving group. Gary Wilson's going to be a star with Aaron Rodgers, even taking it to that next level. But you mentioned that offensive line. You got Makai Becton, who has missed most of the last two seasons, only played one game, coming off those major knee injuries. Now there seems to be like this weird discussion where he wants to play left tackle instead of right tackle where he's played. They have a left tackle in Dwayne Brown. He'll be 38 in August, but he's only played left tackle. And so you only have one left tackle. They're going to have to figure that out in training camp. Elijah Vera Tucker missed 10 games last year. And, and Brees Hall, their running back, missed much of the year with a knee injury. And so what's the health? of that group going to be like. Aaron Rodgers seemingly has always had a really good run game and offensive line to support him. And so I'm not worried about the receivers with Aaron Rodgers. I'm worried about the trenches. And when you got a guy like Grady coming after you, you know, I don't care if you're 39-year-old Aaron Rodgers or 29-year-old Aaron Rodgers, nobody likes pressure in the inside. And so I'm a little concerned right now with their offensive line. I think that's the one element that could keep them from being that elite flight crew that we've been talking about. I like their. I think that is a more than fair concern when looking at this Jets team because to me their range for what they could be is so big. It really is such a really big gap because health was such an issue for this offensive line last year. They were on there like their seventh offensive tackle by the end of the year. You know, 
They had Mike Remmers was starting, Cedric Ubuye, uh LDT came back midseason and was starting for them. Uh, they just had so many guys banged up on that offensive line. And health is really big, and there's no way really to predict, you know, from year to year health, how that's gonna, you know, be in transition from season to season. Last year it was the offensive line that was just really decimated and the offense in general. Defense Stayed relatively healthy. I mean, I'm trying to think back to some big injury. I think Quinnen might have missed one game. Um, you had Quincy Williams looked like it was going to be a big injury, and he ended up missing just a handful of games. But uh, other than that, these guys, important pieces on the defensive side of the ball, more often than not, they were available and ready to go. Where on the offensive side, that really wasn't the case. So hopefully for the New York Jets and for Aaron Rodgers, the offensive line has health this season because I think that is really a, a a big key to get this thing, you know, rolling and really going in the right direction because I I agree. I, I like the Jets wide receiver room. It might not be the flashiest. Garrett Wilson at the top is going to be a stud. We know that. But Alan Lazard, Corey Davis, Mikol Hardman, Randall Cobb, that is a more than capable unit. That is a better unit than what the Jets are trotting out there. Like, Pretty much every other, like every other year, um, they have a, re- I think a nice, nice piece, nice pieces, and they could really, you know, do something uh, with that team. But health is going to be a big question, and if that's your criticism or if that's your concern, I think it's a legit one. That's not enough for me to say that. Oh my God, this is going to be an eight-win team because the offensive line is going to be just absolutely abysmal. I don't think it's going to be that bad, and I don't think that's necessarily what Cameron is saying either, but. If there's something to hold this team back from being a Super Bowl team, it could be the offensive line. That also could be the thing that elevates them. Like if everyone stays healthy, Makai looks like he did in 2020. Uh, you get the bounce back season like we talked about from Lincoln Tomlinson. He looks like the 2021 version of himself. Uh, Joe Tipman comes in and is a stud right away. That swings it way the other way. Like there's a lot of variance here. There really is a lot of variance with this offensive line. So uh, with that, let's get into those voicemails. We have three calls to get to today. First one, uh, no name attached to this one, but uh, Super Bowl expectations uh, from this caller. All right, let's do it. Hey, great show as always. The Mac delivers like our defensive line. The Sack <laughs> Exchange 2.0 is going to be back. Okay. And I'm I'm over hopeful. I'm I'm expecting a Super Bowl win. Hmm. I'm expecting it. Go ahead. Uh, I grew up to where the family came together. Uncle Sal's called television to watch the guarantee. Awesome. Um, spoiled ever since. Anyway, great <laughs> show once again. And the other two guys backing up, uh, Green Bean and uh, uh, I should have forget. Nonetheless, great show. Keep on. <laughs> I love the energy there. Uh, I would love, we all would, I was going to say, I would love if the New York Jets won a Super Bowl. Of course, freaking everybody would, Matt, obviously. The, I don't know if, I, I can't personally put that as my expectation right now. Um, I want that to happen. I won't say that this is, like, there are ways that the Jets don't win the Super Bowl and it, the season's still viewed as a success in my eyes. The goal has to be, for every single team, a Super Bowl. And I hope the Jets win a Super Bowl, and I think they can win a Super Bowl, but uh, I'm not going to be that guy who's like, oh, well, you know, they they 
they won 12 games, uh, you know, won the division, hosted their first playoff game since 2002. They beat up on insert wildcard team here. They went into Cincinnati or, or uh, KC and won a game on the road. Uh, and then, unfortunately, they, they bowed out to KC or, you know, someone like that uh, in, a, in a tight AFC championship game and fell, you know, just a little bit short. I'd be upset about it. I would be really bummed out that they lost and be, you know, sad about it. But at the same time, like uh, that would be a massive step in the right direction when you consider that this team has been an absolute dumpster fire for years and years and years. I can't go just full, you know, it's if they don't win the Super Bowl, then this is an abysmal season. I can't, I can't do it. And I'm not necessarily saying that what this is, this caller saying, and that's his, you know, he's going in and saying, Hey, I want to win. I want to win a Super Bowl. I do too. And I think they have a really good shot. I think they are one of the, I don't know. What do you want to say? Six or seven teams who have a really, really good chance to win a Super Bowl. Next up is Gene. He is calling in from New Jersey. He does not want Dalvin Cook. He's got a couple other thoughts as well. Let's go out to Gene. Yeah, my, my name is Gene Mattery. He's calling from New Jersey. How are you, Gene? Uh, let me tell you that uh, five more days, well, on the 12th, I'll be 76 years old. Happy birthday. So I watched the Jets, or should I say the Titans. I saw the plaque go on the wall for the 1959 New York Titans. And um, watched uh, the Titans play in the Polo Grounds. Number one, I'd like to know how a young man your age could imagine the uh, multitude of disasters that have occurred over the last 50, 60 years. You haven't reached the time yet. Anyway, my main call is to let you know that I am dead set against Mr. Dalvin Cook. I don't see no, I don't see why we don't try and make a trade with the uh, Raiders for Josh Johnson. Jacobs. Oh. The guy's okay. got 1,400 yards last year rushing. 400 yards passing the ball. He's an excellent running uh, blocker, and he's an excellent pass blocker for Rodgers. Trade bait. We can give up Mims. We can give up Davis. We can give up that. any quarterback, any running back, not named Paul or Izzy. Uh, I'm sure Davis's contract and add on the other few, that'll definitely pay for um, Mr. Jacobs. Uh, I appreciate this uh, chance to call you. Again, Gene Matteris. 609. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know he was going to give the phone number. Uh, we're going to cut you off so you don't put the number on the air there. But uh, appreciate you calling in, Gene. Happy birthday to you. Um, yeah, so I'm assuming the first half of the call had to do with uh, my video last week when uh, I, I was critical of Alan Hahn taking the negative stance for this year. It's like, well, I saw, you know, and listed off a bunch of really bad stuff. So, like, I don't know. I, I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs this year. I think that personally, that's a bad way to go into a season. Um, there's uh, people who've been around a lot longer than I have. Sorry to do this to you, Green Bean. I know you're listening, but Green Bean's older than me. He's in his fifth, early 50s. He's 50? 51? I don't know. 50. I just went to his 50th. Come on, Matt. Anyway, he's seen a lot of shit, but he's one of the more optimistic Jet fans that I know. And I'm not saying you got to be a blind 
optimist to it, but I also don't like the the gatekeeping of oh you haven't been around long enough. I mean I'm I'm not I'm 28 years old. I'm not 76, but I've been watching this team and under to a point where I've understood and you know known what's going on for for 20 years. So 20 years is not a small sample size. 20 years is a is a pretty good chunk of change. And over that time, they haven't played a home playoff game. Uh, I, I really in O2 was the last time they had the home playoff game. That's a little before me. I wasn't really didn't really know what was going on at that point. And 2003 is the first year that I um, really remember getting into. But I don't really like the gatekeeping part of oh you, you gotta you know weather the storm for 50 years before you could comment on uh, fans being uh, you know too negative. Like the Joe Beningos of the world. I would get do without you know Joe Beningo um, on the air any anymore and his. Woe is me shtick. Uh, the Josh, Jock, Josh Jacobs, obviously, he's a phenomenal player. He's got franchise tagged by the Raiders, and um, he may not want to play on the franchise tag. So if, you're going to have to give him, you're going to pay him big money on a extension, right? He's not probably not going to play on that one year. Was it $10.1 million? I don't know if they need to be spending, what, We'll call it at least $10 million plus on on a running back of Josh Jacobs. And you have Brees Hall, who, yeah, he's coming back from an injury. But um, if you want to bring in a, a cheaper veteran option to pair with him, I could understand that. I th- Then I would think Dalvin would make more sense. I, I think Dalvin's just closer to the end. I don't know how effective he's going to be at this point in his career. Um, and I don't know if I'd want to pay him that $8 million a year or whatever he's looking for, but maybe they go with a, a different veteran. I like the youth the Jets have in the running back room. I think Michael Carter can bounce back. Uh, I'm not out on Bam Knight, and I think Izzy Abanaconda could be a home run hitter uh, for this team with his speed. So thank you, Gene, for calling in. Happy birthday once again. Let's close out with Main Jet wants to close out on offensive line talk. Hi, Matt. This is um, um, Main Jet calling. And I just wanted to start out by saying I don't necessarily have a problem. You know, I'm watching your film right now um, about the Jets' offensive line and, and how they were ranked 23rd. I don't have a problem with where they're ranked either. I, I do think it's lower than it should be. But, you know, the Jets are just shooting themselves in the foot due to how much how many injuries that, that they've had. Now, sure. I will tell you straight up, and here's where you and I probably disagree, I will tell you this, is that I think that that offensive line, if it stays healthy, is top five all day long. At least top five, maybe top ten or something like that. That is a damn good offensive line. And you only need to look at two games. I mean, look at the Buffalo game late in the game. They were manhandling them, feeding the ball off every play. They all knew the, the running game was coming, and they couldn't stop it. Okay? Now, yeah, Buffalo was down a couple of plays, but it's still a stout defense that they were doing that against. Look at Green Bay and how they did that uh, late in the game against them. And, you know, that's before everything went off the rails because at that many at that point just so many injuries happened, they started to accumulate, and that's when the offense just went sideways. So that's my thought process anyway. I think that they're a lot more uh, solid through second and third string. I like what Joe Douglas did during the, um, during the offseason. And I think that if they stay healthy, and that's the big that's the big caveat, 
But if they stay healthy, you're looking at at least the top ten, potentially even top five offensive line. Anyway, take care. Yeah, I don't think that's that crazy, Main Jet. I appreciate you calling in. That is probably slightly more optimistic than I am. I don't know if I'd go as high as top five, although it's it could they they could. But it really depends on what clicks and at what time. Dwayne Brown coming off like there, there's so much variance on every single one of these guys. It feels like Dwayne Brown uh, last is coming off an injury, so you could spin it as guy had offseason surgery. Is he going to be healthy at the start of the year? He was banged up last year. Is he's uh, he's approaching forty years old? Like is that who you want as your left tackle? And then on the more positive side, you could spin it and say. He played last year hurt. He should be better this year after getting the surgery. Lincoln Tomlinson, does he continue his regression with the New York Jets for whatever reason, or does he go back to Pro Bowl form? Variance, center. God, Joe Tipman could be a rookie. You never know what you're getting out of a rookie. Could he be Nick Mangold from year one? Maybe. I mean, we were blessed with that in, in 2006, but sometimes the rookie offensive linemen struggle and they have some bumps in the road. AVT, love the guy, missed 10 games last year. I love him. I think he bounces back and is good. He's probably the safest or the highest floor of the group, I would think, personally. But that's another one coming off an injury that missed significant time. And then at right tackle, we obviously know Mekhi Becton and all the variants that there is now. It's going to be huge. And I know people are probably sick and tired of talking about the offensive line because, you know, it's not sexy. You want to talk about the quarterback, the wide receivers, the running back, and the the skill position and the weapons, but trenches are important. That's why they they spent a first round pick on Will McDonald, and that's why they added on the interior with uh, Quentin Jefferson and Al Woods and guys like that. It's it matters. The offensive and defensive line. It's not pretty, but that's where games are won. Moral of the story, and hopefully the health is there, like what Main Jet says. I still can't get over, by the way. The beef is still going on. Uh, Darrell Revis called Asante Samuel a mother sucker because Asante said uh, that Revis got beat by the double double move more than himself. That's a fact. I if don't know this. These are the tweets of a crazy person. I don't know how. Go look in the history books. I'm there. What about you? And he goes, try again, mother sucker. I'm a first ballot Hall of Famer. Scouting report on me was a head coach telling his quarterback to be cautious to throw my way. It's just different, bro. Maybe you should write a letter to the Hall of Fame voters to state your case. <laughs> That's really freaking funny. Oh, God. And also, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson now uh, is in the mix. Um, he said that Tariq had, was the best rookie DB last year, hands down, which is just, I don't know, crazy. I don't get. I don't get it. I, I, I don't get these guys. I really don't. But that's it. I'm not gonna continue to fight. I did it on a, all, all day on Twitter today. I did it on the podcast as well. So that's gonna do it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in once again. I am Matt O'Leary. Make sure to subscribe whether you get it on the audio or on YouTube, wherever. I appreciate you listening. Subscribe. I'll catch you next time.